Greetings, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Plan B Success. We've got somebody stellar today, Chris Widener, the coach, the businessman, the author, who's been around for a couple of decades, and he's kind of uh, rubbed elbows with the who's who of the coaching world. He's worked with Jim Ron in person. He's worked with Zig Ziglar. And he's also known Tony Robbins for a while. And John Maxwell too. And besides all this, he's written over 20 books. And he's given his coaching, speaking sessions across the world. And he's done a whole lot over the years. And we'll also find out more from him as what's in store for the future. Welcome, Chris. Thanks for having me, Rajiv. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So in your own words, why don't you tell us about your journey so far? Yeah. So, you know, you said I've been around for a couple decades. I've been around for five decades, 53 years old. Uh, but I've been in the speaking business, uh, since 1988. Um, I had a, I had a crazy upbringing. My dad in 1969, I was three years old. My dad made $90,000 in 1969. Uh, he was the, the fifth partner at a firm called NBB and J, which is is now one of the top 15 architecture firms in the world with offices all over the world. At the time, uh, he was their chief financial officer, and he uh, did all of the, the money management for an architecture firm with 150 architects. He did all of that money management and, and all the books with an abacus and a slide rule. So kind of funny if you think about that, right? Like even before computers and calculators. So, um, but in 1970, when he was 41 years old, he died. He got sick and he died in like six months, he got cancer, and he didn't have much life insurance. So he had, he was making $90,000 a year. He had $30,000 worth of life insurance. So that began the downward spiral for my mother and me. And, uh, we had to sell the big mansion in the country club that we were living in that in 2013, that house sold for a million eight. And, uh, my mom had to sell it because she couldn't afford the $400 a month for the mortgage payment. So um, that began a downward spiral. I, I began to get involved in drugs. I went to 11 different schools. I got shipped off to live with relatives twice, once in the third grade, once in the ninth grade. I moved 28 times growing up. Uh, just really kind of a bad situation. Then summer before my senior year, I figured out I'm graduating. I better figure life out. And I had a couple people come into my life that made a big difference. And, and I got my life turned around. You know, Zig Ziglar always said, it, Zig always used to say, I was in the half of the class that made the top half possible. Well, I was in the 10th of the class that made the 90% possible. Uh, I, w I graduated 149 out of 172 people. There were, whatever that is, 23 people who had worse grades than me. But I, I got into college, barely, and uh, got a degree in youth and family work, and I became a youth minister and out in northern New Jersey. I began to work at a church in northern New Jersey as a youth minister, and I coached the basketball team at the local high school, the freshman team, and, and uh, I began to speak to high school, summer camps, junior highs, colleges, you know, youth groups, whatever, about how to overcome a troubled youth. And uh, eventually that evolved into some speaking engagements for adults, and then now it's primarily adults that I speak to and have for 20-something years. Um, but I've been very fortunate. I had a couple of great turns of event. You know, I, in, in the early 2000s, John Maxwell asked me to, to uh, ghostwrite for him. Uh, and then that led to a, a writing deal with uh, Jim Rohn. I wrote the Jim Rohn one-year program with Jim and then wrote the book 12 Pillars with Jim. 
And then uh, I had a TV show in Dallas, and that company asked Zig to do a TV show, but he was getting a little older, didn't want to do it by himself, so they asked me to co-host. And and so uh, just some great opportunities that I've had, and and it's been a fun ride. Awesome, awesome. So, you know, looking back at the last 50 years, and, you know, you've kind of known who's who, you know, the father of motivation, as I like to call Zig Ziglar as well. What's your take on kind of getting started in the era where there were no computers to now that it's all about social media and computers? And as a result, you know, the barrier to entry, like I, I like to call it, has lowered, you know, uh, the, the barrier to entry. There, there is no barrier to entry anymore. I mean, literally, you need, if, I mean, think about it. You and I, you're in Virginia. I'm in Scottsdale, Arizona. We're talking and you're going to broadcast this to millions of people around the world. I mean, everybody on earth could watch this. Let's hope they do. But everybody on earth could watch this and, and how you have a laptop and a microphone. I have a laptop and a microphone. That's all you need. And, and that's both positive because it gives people a voice and it's negative because it gives some people a voice. (laughs) Some people who, you know, and, and this is where you get into all the smoke and mirrors. People, you know, they snap pictures of themselves in front of a jet and, uh, and, you know, they rent a Ferrari for the day and they park it down at the, at the airport next to a jet and they snap pictures and supposedly they're a 26 year old with a Ferrari and a jet. Yeah. And, and what's really unfortunate is that there's a lot of people that believe those people. And, and one of the biggest guys in our industry right now, he started completely on a lie. I mean, the whole thing was a, was a, a setup and a lie. And, uh, you know, it was all jets and mansions and cars, and he was renting them to, to, to make himself look good. Well, so many people followed him that he actually then ended up making a fortune. Um, so I guess he's the epitome of the fake it till you make it. Um, but, no, I've always said, Rajiv, if, if I was going to write a book about this industry, I'd call it Smoke and Mirrors, because there's a lot of smoke and mirrors in this, uh, in this industry. That's true. That's true. And, and that's like you said, right? There's the positive sides to it. And, and the unfortunate side is the negative aspect. Of yeah. it. But that's the same in any industry. There's good lawyers, bad lawyers, good teachers, bad teachers, right. you know, good butchers, bad butchers. Every industry has good people and bad people. So let's, let's go back to your uh, background, you know, 50 plus years ago. You know, you told me like, you know, you were talking to, uh, to the youth and then you, it, it opened up other avenues for talking to adults and such. So how did you end up, uh, when did you really figure out that, hey, this is this is the career that I want to have going forward? Well, it's interesting. When I was in high school, I read a book called Put Your Money Where Your Mouth Is, How to Make a Fortune as a Public Speaker. And uh, and it was, I don't remember the guy's name, and, and none of the tactics in it work anymore because it was all about how to market yourself and all those kinds of things, and now it's done completely differently. Um, that was in high school. When I was in high school, do you remember um, um, when you would go to high school in your first class, there was always one of the kids would come on the microphone and do the announcements for the day? That was me. My, my junior and senior year, welcome to school. You know, lunch today is fish sticks and tater tots. The junior varsity team needs to be at the bus by 4 p.m. for their trip to go right. play football. You know, that was me. Let's stand and say the Pledge of Allegiance. That was me. In college, I was the guy in-house in the stadium who did the in-house announcements for the basketball team. So I announced the starting lineups and every time somebody scored a basket or shot a free throw. So I've always made a living talking. When I got to the point where I was making a really great living as a speaker, my mom said to me, 
I can't believe people pay you to do what I told you all those years to stop. <laughs> and because uh, I, I talked a lot growing up, and I, I think I drove my single mom nuts. Um, but I've always done it. I've always been a talker, and I think it was that book that made me realize I could make a living doing this. And how did you uh, stumble into Jim Rohn, for instance? Well, it's funny. I had never heard of Jim Rohn. And, I mean, I had always been an ambitious person, a goal setter, but I wasn't really into all the self-help publications and all that kind of stuff. And um, I got into it. I started reading some books. And then I saw a newsletter, and it was from Jim Rohn. And I wrote to the guy who did it. His name was Kyle Wilson. And Kyle Wilson uh, was the president of Jim Rohn International. And he had the Jim Rohn e-zine, and he had the Messages from the Masters e-zine, which was a bunch of different people. And so I said, hey, you know, love your stuff. And he said, well, I've watched your writing, and you're really great. Would you like to write for Messages from the Masters? So Kyle asked me to write some articles for Messages from the Masters, and then that's how I ended up meeting Jim Rohn. In the meantime, I, uh, I put on a conference, and I paid John Maxwell his hefty fee, uh, at the time, it was $50,000. I think it's $100,000 now, but, but I paid him his money. He came and gave a speech. We struck up a, a working relationship, and then I went and post wrote for him. That gave me a little more credibility even then with Jim, and then Jim asked me to come and work with him the last seven years of his life. Okay. Yeah. And when did you write your first book? Uh, my first book, I don't know the exact date, but it was about 1996, and it, that book is no longer in publication. It was called Made for Success, and it was a collection of articles, and it was horrible looking. Uh, I used one of those print-on-demands where you upload your Word doc, and then they ship you a box of books, you know, uh, not too long after that. I was actually thinking, I have a book here, a little book. Uh, I can't see it. It's a collection of quotes that I made. That was the second book that I ever did. It was a collection of quotes. I've been looking around here for it. I can't see it. I had it the other day. But it's a, like a almost like one of those, it's square like this and you flip it. It's got a spiral thing. Oh, and yeah. each one has a, a quote of the day and a thought for the day on it. That was my second book, also self-published. So um, that was early, that was mid-90s. Well, that's pretty awesome. You know what? I actually published my own book, my own quotes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. My inspiration quotes that shaped my self-improvement journey and I did this yeah. July, you know, collection yeah. of about 700 odd quotes. Yeah, quotes are great. They, they get you thinking. They, you know, give you uh, things to hang your hat on and they're really good. So when you look back at your experience, you know, your 50 years of being in this profession, you know, what are the highlights that, that come to you? You know, what really... Tells yeah. You, okay, you know, this is this was meaningful. I did what I. Yeah. Had. Well, I've, I've been speaking since '88. I've been alive for 50 years. Um, not that old. But the highlights for me, just off the top of my head, I mean, there's been some amazing places I've visited. I mean, I've spoken in Russia, Barcelona, Cairo, Egypt twice, Shanghai. Singapore, Australia, all over the U.S. The travel is a lot of fun and, and a lot of a lot of great people. In fact, I gave a speech once online, just like this, to seven thousand Iranians. This was about a year ago in Tehran. And um, at the end of my speech, I said, "I'd like to say something personally to you." I said, "I know that our governments fight and you know all this kind of stuff, but I found that people are people. You want your families to love. You want your wife and you to get along. You want your children to grow up and have a better." life than you did. You want to lead a healthy lifestyle and live to a ripe old age. And we Americans are the same way. People to people, we love you. You know, our governments have their problems. 
And I got a two-minute standing ovation for that. And I wasn't even in the room. And the, the, the promoter showed the, the camera, and I could see these people. And, and they, were, they loved that message, right, that, um, that we're all people. And so things like that were really meaningful. I mean, I've done some fun events. I've spoken in front of 25,000 people in Los Angeles, and I've shared the stage with presidential candidates and athletes, and the people I've been able to meet have been great. I happen to be able to be at the National Speakers Association the year that Jim Rohn was awarded the Master of Influence Award. And uh, Mark Sanborn, who gave it to him, asked the audience how, of 2,000 people, how many of you would say that Jim Rohn significantly impacted your life and work? And about two-thirds of the audience raised their hand. You know, So seeing him being honored that way, of course, having a television show with Zig Ziglar. You know, I, I remember the first time I walked into the studio, and I had never met Zig, really. Mm-hmm. And I remember walking in there, I felt like a priest who'd been called to the Vatican to serve communion with the Pope, <laughs> you know. Uh, Zig is just an incredible guy, probably the greatest man I ever met. Just a lovely, talented, smart, humble, uh, a man of faith, just a terrific guy. Awesome. So when you, you know, when you compare the way marketing is done today in the yeah. of social media versus 30 years ago, what are the differences that you see? How did you guys get your word out? You know, you were, uh, that was a time when publishing a book was a big deal. Finding your clientele was a big deal, and you had to either use television or print media and things like those. So what do you make of it then versus now? Everything, everything is far more visual. Uh, it's almost all video. I mean, you know, we used to send out these things called one pages, and it was your promo kit, and it had, you know, a picture of you, usually a headshot, and then one of you speaking so they could see what you look like when you're speaking. And then it'd have two or three topics. It'd have a couple quotes from people who've hired you, maybe a picture of your book, and then contact information. And that was it. It was very static, right? This is all you had was what you could hold in your, in your hand. Now, uh, we can create video advertisements and video promotions and, you know, all those kinds of things. And you can do it cheap. I mean, you know, I used to have to build a website and all that. It would take me, you know, take me a month and $10,000 and, you know, all. now you start a Facebook page throw up some videos, throw up some pictures or an Instagram account, and you're in business. So it's it's easier. It's cheaper. Um, I, I always wonder what it would, would have been like if Zig Ziglar and Jim Rohn would have had uh, FaceTime or, or, you know, Periscope or Facebook Live or, you know, any of these kinds of things, the technology to get their, their message out. I wonder if they would have been even bigger uh, because they would have gotten such a big crowd so early on. But um, those... I think those are the real benefits. It's cheaper, it's easier, it's nearly limitless, and and that's both an opportunity and it's a it's trouble as we mentioned earlier when the wrong people get a hold of it. Right. So what are you doing nowadays, Chris? What's going on? What's uh, the latest and the greatest for you? Well, uh, I'm writing my 21st book. My 20th book uh, comes out in February. My wife and I uh, wrote a book together called Better the Second Time: How to Have an Amazing Second Marriage. And, uh, and not make the mistakes you made in your first marriage and, and, uh, make sure that this one lasts. So we're doing that in February of 2020. Uh, my book, um, Lasting Impact, How to Create a Life in Business comes out in October, November. I, uh, am helping my son. My son has a startup business. Uh, he did a million dollars in the first nine months, uh, that he was in business last year, 2019. Awesome. Um, so he's got a, a tech startup. I'm, I'm a little bit of a, uh, an owner there and I help him. 
Um, I do coaching. I have high-level mastermind groups that I do, and then I do individual coaching with people. You know, so if people are, are interested in having somebody walk through 2020 with them, uh, they should get a hold of me, and, and I, I do personal coaching, one-on-one coaching with people who want to take their life and business to the next level. And, um, and then I do my speaking engagements, and, and that's, uh, that's pretty much where I spend most of my time. How about, uh, are you working uh, with any corporates? Uh, corporate, uh, what do you mean? Do I, do I do corporate speaking engagements or do I work with corporate executives? Yeah, corporate executives and just, yeah. Just so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, a number of those folks who, uh, I have a guy right now in coaching, uh, he's a big corporation, uh, that buys loans. He bought $3 billion worth of loans last year. And, uh, and so, uh, I'm coaching him on how to take his sales team to the next level and how to manage the balance of his life. He's got a bunch of little kids. And so, yeah, I definitely work with corporate executives. Okay. And in, in current times, what do you use in terms of marketing and reach out? I primarily use, I mean, I, I'm very fortunate. I have a lot of social media followers. I have 155,000 people on Facebook, 125,000 on Instagram or um, uh, Twitter. Not many on Instagram. I have like 6,000 people on Instagram. Um, but it's nice, especially with Facebook. I can do Facebook ads and target just my audience or the audience of Jim Rohn who would know me. And then, uh, and then I send them to a, a funnel. I, for example, I have a, a, a Kajabi site called WidenerCoaching.com and that's where I sell my coaching. So, you know, I'll run a Facebook ad to people that are already fans of mine. I'll push them to WidenerCoaching.com and then they sign up for my personal coaching program. All right. And then, uh, any travel? Coming up in Yeah, travel, man. I'm going to Nashville, uh, going to New Orleans, uh, going to Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Um, I've got a, a company that's thinking about hiring me for 10 speeches, and that would be all over America. Uh, going to Italy later on this year. So a lot of travel. Awesome, awesome. So when you reflect on your journey with Jim Rohn, yeah. what do you think really stands out for you? Well, I get asked this question a lot. It's probably the number one question I get asked. And I want to tie in a different, I want to tie in Zig Ziglar into the question. Sure. Because people always ask me, what, would it, what it was it like and what did you learn working with Jim Rohn and Zig Ziglar? And here's the biggest takeaway. The, my biggest takeaway working with Jim Rohn and Zig Ziglar was be yourself. And here's what I mean by that. Zig and Jim were arguably two of the biggest, if not the two biggest speakers of the 20th century in the personal development space, self-help. And yet they were completely different. They were, they were friends, they were colleagues, and they were as different as night and day. I mean, you think about it, Zig Ziglar, he walked the stage. I mean, he was moving the stage. And he'd talk really fast and really loud. And then he'd get down on his knee and he would whisper and talk like this. Right. He was very demonstrative and he prowled the stage like a cat, right? And then you had Jim Rohn who was quiet and professorial and stood behind a lectern the entire time. I mean, Jim, Jim Rohn's big move was this. He'd take his glasses off. I mean, that was about as demonstrative as Jim Rohn got, right? You know, and so what that taught me was I didn't need to be like Jim Rohn. I didn't need to be like Zig Ziglar. I needed to be me right. because the best me is what Jim Rohn did. And the best me is what Zig Ziglar did. And the best me is what Tony Robbins does and John Maxwell does. I didn't want to be a knockoff. Somebody gave me some advice early, early on in my career. And they said, it's an old quote from Albert Einstein. And it was, be a voice 
not an echo. And I love that. Be a voice, not an echo. And that's always been my plan. Even though I've worked with those folks, I didn't want to just become one who regurgitates what it is that they said. I wanted my own thoughts. I'd take things that they said and think it through and, and you know, create a new iteration. Um, but um, be a voice, not an echo. Always been a big one. And I learned that from Jim and Jig. You know, there's a kind of a moment going on right now. And the way I like to call it is, well, they call, everybody calls it the self-education moment. And you know, everybody has their own idea about it in terms of what they like and do not. And I think what that's done is back to my point on the low barrier to entry. Everybody and anybody getting on the bandwagon looking back into their city to say, what do I have to teach and how can I teach and how can I monetize it? Yeah. What's your take on that? Well, again, pros and cons. I mean, Udemy is great. Udemy allows people things, places like Udemy. I mean, use, I'm using them. Cons Academy, you know, like, I think Cons Academy is probably the first, uh, of its kind. Um, but those kinds of places are great. They've given people the opportunity to, uh, you know, to create education, everything around technology, you know, marketing, um, speaking, you know, all the different topics and, and how to knit, how to potty train a dog. I mean, right. everything. You can find any education you want. I think that's great. I, I think we live in an amazing time. You know, we've got the free flow of information, the exchange of ideas that we've never had in world history. And the problem is, is to, to quote our president, there's a lot of fake news. Um, and, and, and I don't just mean fake news like, you know, news news. There's just a lot of stuff out there that just isn't true. And if you can use the airwaves to tell the truth, you can use the airwaves to tell a lie. And there's some people that are going to tell the truth and some people are going to tell a lie. To those that tell the truth, I think that's great. It's, it's an opportunity to learn and grow and take advantage of it. You just have to be a discerning consumer. Absolutely, absolutely. I have a few questions for you. Yeah. And, you know, whatever comes to your mind, tell me about it. When you look, reflect back on your life, what are the two pivotal moments in your life, a high point and a low point? Uh, the high point is what changed everything. Um, summer before my senior year of high school, I had never been to church before. Well, I take that back. I went to two Christmas Eve services. And... Uh, I was spending the night at my biggest pot smoking buddy's house, and I'm sure we were high the night before. And the next morning, Sunday morning, his mom walked in and she said, get up, we're going to Sunday school. And uh, Raji, I literally had no clue what Sunday school was. No clue. I'd never heard the term before. Mm -hmm. And they took me to a little Lutheran church at the corner of 8th and Ogle in North Bend, Washington, a little community up in the mountains. And uh, this little church had about 80 people in it. And uh, the youth minister there was a good old boy from Montana, from Helena, Montana, wore cowboy boots and a cowboy hat. And um, he was really, meeting him was really great for me for two reasons. Number one, uh, he taught me about God. And there was a bigger purpose to my life, that this wasn't just a one and done kind of thing, that, that I was made for a reason. And that was really powerful to a lost kid. The second thing was, you know, my dad died when I was when I was young. My two grandpas I didn't know. One died and one got divorced and moved away. And I never I met him one time my entire life. My brother was 14 years older than me, and he married a woman that didn't like my mom. So he moved out when I was three, and we barely ever saw him. And so I had no male role models in my life. And so this youth minister became a real role model in my life, and that completely changed my life and set it on a new direction. Um, the second, the low point, was uh, going through my divorce. 
you know, I was married 27 years and um, ended up getting divorced after 27 years and almost divorced at 10 years and at 15 years. And it was just never really a good thing. And, um, and that was devastating. You know, even, even if you want to get divorced, nobody likes divorce. You know, my, my Christian friends would say to me, God hates divorce. And I'd say, who doesn't hate divorce? Like everybody hates divorce and tell me something I don't know. Nobody says, I'm going to get married and we're going to get divorced three years from now. It's, it's painful. It's, uh, you know, it's tearing away. It's, um, it's the unknown. Oftentimes, uh, there's shame and, and embarrassment and the feelings of failure. And, and so I put myself into counseling for a couple of years and, uh, really worked hard. And really, you know, we said, look, uh, I said, I, I want to become a better because of this. You know, I, it, it's unfortunate, but I want to be better. And so I really worked hard. I, I put my own advice to work and I started working on myself. And um, uh, a number of years later, I met a beautiful woman. Uh, we fell in love. We got married last summer in uh, Florence, Italy. So that was great. And then my publisher said to me, you know, there are no books on second marriages. Would you write one? So we said, okay, we'll write about what the things are that we're doing and working on as we prepare to make our second marriage, you know, work. So that comes out in February 2020. It's called Better the Second Time. Mm -hmm. And um, so excited about that. So even the negative positive came out of it because it made me a better person. It made me much more of a gracious person, a forgiving person, a kind person, a patient person. And, uh, and, and, and with all the judgment that was thrown my way, it made me a much less judgmental person. And all of those things are good. And what are you most thankful for? I don't even know if I could say what I'm most thankful for. I'm obviously I'm thankful that I'm loved. I think everybody wants to know that they're loved and that their life matters. Uh, you know, I'm, I think that's probably, probably the number one. I'm, I'm thankful that I'm loved, that I have people that love me, you know, and that I love. I have a great family. Uh, I've got great children. I've got really good friends. Um, I have three or four friends that have been my friends for 20, 25 years, and uh, I can call them anytime about anything. Um, and so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for my gifts and my talents. I, I, I could go on all day. We do, we do an hour just on things I'm grateful for. So. Absolutely. And, and what do you fear the most at this point in your life? I don't know that I fear anything, but I suppose I, I get the point. The point probably would for me would be not getting done what I want to get done before I'm done. <laughs> I want to make sure that I, I, I want to make sure that my life matters. I mean, it's really what my book is about that's coming out in October 2020, um, Lasting Impact. I want, and I start the whole book out by saying everybody wants their life to matter. That's the compelling thing. We want to know that we matter. And um, it, it would be better to be mad to matter for ten or twelve or fifteen years and die at a young age than to never matter for seventy five or eighty years. Okay. Um, Jim Rohn and I wrote in the book Twelve Pillars: uh, You can't determine how long you live, but you can determine how well you live. So that's that's what I get fearful of: is not living up to my potential. What are you most happy about? I'm just happy where I'm at. You know, it's funny. Um, are, are you familiar with Larry Wingett? Do you know Larry Wingett? Not really. Larry, he's a funny guy. I also have some of his. I wonder if I have some of his books around here somewhere. Oh, yeah, here they are. Some of Larry's books are called uh, You're Broke Because You Want to Be. It's called Work for a Reason. He'd be a good guy to have on your podcast, by the way. What's Wrong with Damn Near Everything? 
Yeah. And my favorite one, shut up, stop whining, and get a life. So um, uh, Larry and I do a podcast together called The Real Man Podcast. They can find it at realmanpodcast.com. And we've done 150 episodes. And we go over to Larry's house. I go over to Larry's house. We smoke cigars, drink bourbon, and we talk about men's stuff. And it's a lot of fun. But Larry said something to me the other, about three or four months ago, he said it the first time. He said, Chris, Rosemary and I, Rosemary's his wife. She's always there when I go to their house. Rosemary and I have decided you are the happiest person we've ever met. Mm-hmm. And Larry, Larry's been one of the top speakers in, in America for 30 years. And, um, and he's met a lot of people. And, and I felt so good about that. You know, I, I really am happy. But then he said it to me again about a month ago on one of our podcasts. And I said, you know, I don't know that I've always been happy. I think because Larry and I have only known each other for two years. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it was right after we met, we said we should do a podcast. So we've been doing a podcast almost the entirety of our relationship. And I said, but you've only known me in this stage of my life. And I've gone through a lot of hardship and a lot of clarification and a lot of work. And I just found peace in my life. And so I, 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 and when I started telling people that Larry said that, everybody says, Oh yeah, I totally see that. You're, you're the kind of guy Zig Ziglar used to say, you can brighten a room when you walk in or you can brighten a room when you walk out. I'm the guy that brightens the room when he walks in. And, and I like that. I am. I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy about almost everything. And what do you look forward to? Uh, I look forward to making an impact. Um, it's interesting at my stage of life, I'm 53 now. And I'm starting to mentor a lot of people. Uh, I mentor a lot of younger speakers. I have I have one uh, woman who I'm mentoring right now in the speaking business. And she said, why would you take me on? I mean, you're this world-famous speaker. You've spoken all over the world. And I'm just starting out, blah, blah, blah. And I said, because I believe in you. And she speaks on women's empowerment. And I said to her, I said, look at me. Anybody going to hire me to come speak about women's empowerment? No. But if I can help you get so good that you get to go talk about women's empowerment all the time, I feel like I'm helping women become empowered. So, you know, there was a book written a long time ago by Bob Buford, and it was called Halftime, Moving from Success to Significance. And I think that's really where I'm at in my life. Um, it, I, I'm, and I read that book when I was 30, um, and now I'm applying it because I'm 53. But um, I really have moving beyond my success that I've had. I mean, there really is nothing left for me to do in the speaking business. I've written a New York Times and Wall Street best-selling book. I've spoken to a crowd of 25,000 people. I've done stadium events all over the world. I've had my television show and one was a big work with the legs. I mean, I don't know that there's really anything else I could do, you know, maybe speak at the United Nations or, or something like that. I don't know, right? So, but there's lots I can do in helping other people. So I'm finding a lot of joy in helping other people. Uh, I still do my own speeches and things like that, but I'm, I'm spending more and more time mentoring people, and I I, uh, I look forward to helping people make an impact. That's pretty awesome. And what would you like your legacy to be? That I made an impact, that my life mattered, um, that people said, uh, when I die, I want them to say, oh, let me tell you the story of the one time he helped me or the one time he encouraged me or, you know, those kinds of things. You know, they say a man dies twice. Uh, once when he dies and the second time, the last time anybody ever mentions his name. And, uh, you know, not that I think anybody's going to be using my name a thousand years ago, like they do Caesar or, you know, uh, Jesus or anybody like that, you know, or even 50 years from now, like they still do with John F. Kennedy and some of those people. But I do want to know that my life made a difference. 
and that uh, somebody else's life was a little bit better because they bumped into me. Absolutely. Chris, this has been great. You know, you, you've been an inspiring role model for, uh, for a lot of the younger generation. Absolutely, you are an inspiring role model for a lot of the younger speakers. Thank you. What would be the one takeaway for the listeners that you would want to leave with today? I would go back to the quote that I use, be a voice, not an echo. We have enough people that just say what everybody else says. Groupthink is at an all-time high. You know, I, I look at even what's going on politically in the United States. We are so divided politically, the right and the left, the liberals and the conservatives, and and, and I happen to hold one of those positions, and, and I, I have my beliefs. But the one thing you'll find from people that have interacted with me is that I will love you even if you believe the exact opposite of me. Because I don't want to just echo everything I hear. And you have too many people watching Fox News and MSNBC, and all they do is echo. And, uh, and, and they just echo it. They're not doing their own thinking. They're not doing their own mind work. And, uh, and so I think we need to do our own mind work. We need to come to our own conclusions. We need to listen to the other side. You know, here's something I do, Rajiv, sometimes just to throw a wrench in a conversation when I'm talking to somebody who, who disagrees with me politically. I'll say, let's do something interesting. And they'll say, what? And I'll say, how about if we switch positions? Mm -hmm. I'll take your position, you take my position, and let's argue then. And you know what I find with a lot of people? They can't argue my position. Right. I can argue their position because I've thought about it and I've listened and I've considered it. And uh, it's funny, I'll tell you, I, I, this was 25 years ago, probably. I had a friend in Seattle, and we used, to, we used to get together for Christmas, and we'd give each other a book. And one year, one of us gave the other Rush Limbaugh's book called, um, uh, what was that book called? Um, See, I Told You So. Mm -hmm. And the other one of us gave the other one Al Gore's book, Earth in the Balance. And so we traded books. I mean, again, you couldn't be more uh, diametrically opposed, right. but we took a month and we each read the book that disagreed with what our position was. And that was good for us. It, we, need to, we need to mellow out, you know. Just because somebody doesn't agree with you politically doesn't mean they hate America. You know? But that's where we find ourselves, and that's sad to me. So I try to have great civil public discourse. That's pretty awesome. Well, Chris, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us today. There's a lot to learn from your journey. There's a lot to learn from you. And I wish you the very best as you move forward with everything that you want to do as you go forward. Thank you. Appreciate it. Hey, I hope you liked that episode. Do check out my website, rajivmudumba.com. And by the way, do check out Top Podcast Mastery Program. That's out there on the website. And... If you're interested in podcasting, if you're interested in creating a brand image for who you are and what you have to offer, definitely check that course out. I'm sure it's going to provide you immense value and it'll cut short your journey of researching podcasts by the weeks into a couple of hours to get started and moving on. Thank you very much.